All right, love like Jesus. So glad you're here with us today. I especially thank you for being in the venue, those of you who are in the venue. We're glad that you have come for part two of Love Like Jesus. We began last week with a tough one where we want to forgive sinners. How do you forgive somebody who did something to you that seems unforgivable? That's a tough message. We go to another tough message today, wash feet. Now, those of you who attend week after week after week, if you've been here for a number of months, maybe you'll remember that we've hit this passage before. If, If you were real consistent, maybe you remember we've hit it twice in the last six months already. And Jim, why are we doing this a third time? I got it the first time. I got it. Well, really? I taught it. I studied it. I taught it three times each time. And really, each day, what is taught often is not caught. You ever had that experience for you? What is taught is not caught. And so there's a serving opportunity. And I'm thinking, I'm not, I don't really want to do that. Right? And so... That's what we're addressing, so there's going to be a little bit of a new angle on it as we take a look at perhaps a familiar passage that we will try to get to hit us the way it hit the disciples, and we will catch it and not just agree with it, which is quite a difference. We're going to begin with this question, and the question is, well, this is a focus first. If we want to live like Jesus, we need to love like Jesus. That's the same focus for all three weeks. We'll wrap this up next week on the next Love Like Jesus. Here's the question. What makes it hard for you to serve others? If we were to do a survey, we'd come up with all different kinds of reasons that it's hard to serve others. We'd come up with things like, I'm just so busy. My schedule's so busy, I can't sign up for one more thing. I can't serve here because there's no margin in my day. I really don't have the energy. I'm so tired. I don't feel well enough. I can't lift stuff. On and on the thing goes. You know what the shortest answer is? It's hidden right in the question. What makes it hard for you to serve others? The answer, others. Seriously. If you're in the retail business, you're in the service industry, you work at the hospital, you work at all these places, the hardest thing about serving others is others. Man, you give and you give and you give and you're serving and serving and serving and then it's like you've never done enough. They get mad at you. It's like, I'm serving you. (laughs) Why are you mad at me? I'm doing this for free. And why are you getting mad at me? Those kinds of things happen a lot. We come up with all these, well, a thank you would be nice, right? Ingratitude makes it really hard to keep serving. They expect me to keep doing this. And we have all this kind of stuff that's happened. Maybe you've been in a small group and you've had this happen to you. Oh, could you help me move on such and such a Saturday? Okay, yeah, you show up, and you had no idea they're moving to an apartment with stairs, and you were the only one that showed up to help with the hide-a-bed couch, and just like, duh, duh. so next time somebody says, can you help me move? You're thinking, Where, what address are you moving to? Really discreet, you look it up. Okay, whew, no stairs. And you show up, and you come to the place, and you go in there, and it's like, you're ready to load the truck, and like, you're the only one there, it's like, Nothing is packed in boxes. And you're looking at your clocks like, this is going to take forever. You ever feel like that? You're going to get sucked into a service job and it's going to take you for the rest of your life. And so you don't want to serve. So all these different experiences, we start to back up and assess and say, "Mm, I don't think I'm going to do that. So whatever the that is, 
That's what we're addressing. Where it's like, no, I'll do this, but I won't do that. Because we're going to take a look at how the disciples, they weren't going to do that. And yet they'd heard Jesus over and over and over again say, you need to serve. You need to serve. Don't climb to the top and have people serve you. You need to think in terms of serving. Yep, we got it. We got it. There's a difference between what you're taught and what you actually caught. So we're on this again. John chapter 13. If you don't want me to teach on this anymore, just catch it. All right? John chapter 13. Now, I said that in jest because the reality is I'm the teacher. I know it. I teach it. I get this. I'm teaching it to you. And yet, day upon day, there's a gap in my life that I recognize. And there are reasons for that gap. And we're trying to make that gap get smaller to where I want to serve even in those kinds of conditions. And that's what we're going to try to learn and help us get motivated for today. It was just before the Passover festival. We're going to stop there for a moment. Just before the Passover festival, Jesus had experienced Passover with his disciples a number of times together. This was the last Passover together. Just a reminder, the Passover had been celebrated for 1,500 years before Jesus. Jesus took this meal that celebrated what God did for his people, bringing them out of Egypt. He took this meal about that salvation. He changed it to be about the new salvation. He took elements out of this meal, which celebrated the Lamb of God, which created a Passover event, saving the firstborn in that event. He changed it so that the Lamb of God now saves every one of us in this event. He took the bread and the cup, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. This is the blood of the new covenant. This is that Passover, that Last Supper meal. And what's interesting is he celebrated with his disciples early. It'd be like doing Christmas on the 23rd right? It'd be like celebrating early. The disciples wondered, why are they celebrating early? But Jesus is celebrating early because he knows that while they're going to sacrifice the lamb for Passover, he is that lamb and he will be sacrificed. He won't be able to celebrate it on that day with his disciples. So they're all doing this early. The disciples have no clue why until long later. And John, in reflecting back as an old man, says, Jesus knew And we're going to see this phrase repeated in a moment. But right here, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. That sounds kind of pleasant, but what we're talking about, he's going to be crucified. He's going to leave this earth and go to the Father. He's going to be resurrected, and he's going to ascend and join the Father. But time is running out with his disciples, and he sees something in them. They were taught but it wasn't caught, and he wants to address that. But all of this about what he knows is background. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So this is Jesus' whole ministry. He came from glory. He entered into our world of darkness. He came to love us to the end and to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And he's going to love us all the way to the end, even closing the gap in his disciples so they get it and it can be transferred on to others. That's the start of this chapter. Now, I have a little memory tip. I always think of 13 as being an unlucky number, so I take that cultural thing. It's kind of a bad number, 13. And that's how I remember washing stinky feet is in the bad chapter. 
It's bad, okay? And then he predicts the betrayal and the denial. It's bad, bad, bad. And in this chapter as well. Just a little memory tip for you. That's free. Glad you came? All right. Verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Later on in the chapter, Jesus even says, somebody here is going to betray me. John goes, who, who? They all say, is it me? Is it me? And then Jesus tips off who it is with a little signal to John. And John is just amazed as he reflects back. Here's what he writes in verse 3. Verse 3, he writes, Jesus knew. He's amazed by this and reflecting back. He knew. He planned the Passover ahead of time because he knew. He took that meal and said, it's my blood, my body. Do this in remembrance of me. He knew in advance. He knew also that the Father had put all things under his power. What is about to happen after this meal? They're going to go to the garden. He's going to be arrested. Peter's going to take out his sword and takes off an ear and Jesus puts it back. And they says, stop, stop, stop. Put your sword away because if I want to, I can call a whole legion of angels down. Whoa. John says, as he reflects, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He can command the angels. He can command the universe. He can do whatever he wants, but he voluntarily serves, not just to wash feet, to go to the cross to serve us. He knew what was coming, and he doesn't go, I'm not going to do that. That is too much. He goes there, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he knew where he came from, he knew where he was going, he knew what was happening, he knew how bad it was going to be, he knew it was going to be terrible, but he's willing to pay the price anyway. He knew. That's pretty amazing, but he's not just the son of man. He's the son of God in full awareness by the spirit, what he's about to do and what he came to do. Then we get to verse four. So knowing all of this and seeing the disciples, in this situation, they're at the upper room, and nobody is doing the common courtesy thing. In their day, if you're wealthy enough, it's interesting, they borrowed a wealthy upper room, but nobody there is wealthy. If they're wealthy enough, there was a servant that's provided to do the servant thing. In our culture, you know, the servant comes and says, can I take your coat? Can I, can I offer you a drink? Would you like tea? Would you like coffee? And they offer you these things. In their day, they say, can I wash your feet? Because in their day, the servant would wash off the unpleasantness of animals in the streets and dust and dirt and your stinky sandals because you're about to eat in close proximity to everybody else's feet. And so the common courtesy thing was to wash feet. But all the disciples, instead, they get an argument about who's greatest. And they are looking around there, I'm not going to do that. I don't even think they considered it. That's beneath them. They are the called ones. The called ones who are there to serve Jesus. And they're going to be upper rank in the kingdom. They're on the ground floor. They were taught, but they didn't catch what it meant to follow Jesus. So, Jesus gets up from the meal and took off his outer clothing. You'd be very uncomfortable if I did this right now. Because if I took off my outer clothing, I'd be standing here in my underclothing. That's very uncomfortable for them, and they were uncomfortable. He wraps himself with a towel, and he is going to wash feet like a common 
actually the lowest of low servants doing the servant's job. And he's the devoted one who they've put on a pedestal and he's doing something that they go, no, 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 you can't do this. No, you need to be served, not you do this for us. And it really freaks them out. Now, before we move on, it's more than just uncomfortable. This is John saying, this is the whole enchilada. Well, he probably didn't say it that way. This is the whole deal. This is the snapshot that's the whole ministry of Jesus in a different kind of picture. Jesus in glory was the same as God. He is God the Son. He's glorified all power, all dominion is his. He disrobes glory and decides to take position of humanity, enters into our world, leaves the Father, enters into our world and takes on the lowest of low forms as suffering servant. He's going to be humiliated and shamed before us, laid naked and crucified on a cross. And so he takes off his glory to serve us in this way. And this is a picture before the reality. And it's going to picture the same thing unless you let me wash you, Peter. You can have nothing to do with me. Peter goes, okay. Uh, well, I want you to have something to do with me. Wash everything then. No, well, you've already had a shower and all that. I'm just doing this. And then what Jesus is saying, you guys stink. <laughs> Unless I wash you, we can't have a relationship. That's why Jesus came. And in order to make this happen, he has to unrobe his glory and become the servant of all. We get a different angle on the same picture from the writer to the Hebrews, an anonymous, anonymous writer who wrote, writes, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. In verse one, he talks about a race, and we're all in this race. And in this race, we're to imitate Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. If you're running a race, it hurts if you're running a race to win. You have to forget the pain, forget the lack of oxygen, forget the oxygen, jet, oxygen debt, aim at the finish line because if you just aim at the gasping oxygen debt and the cramps and the pain, you're gonna slow down. Aim at the finish line, focus beyond the finish line, I'm gonna win, I'm gonna win, I'm gonna win. That's what he's doing. I'm scorning the shame, I'm focusing on the joy. Jesus didn't focus on the cross. He focused on the joy and part of his joy was you and me, and these disciples. Closing the gap, he's doing it for us. Verse five. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his feet, wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. We're ready to fill in a couple of blanks on your outline if you'd like to fill the blanks in. To take away some memory things here, point number one is this. The greatest among you will be your servant. We just saw the greatest act of service enacted in washing feet. I also made sure you saw it and connected with the greatest act of service in all of history, the service of God to us when he sent his son to die for us that we could have our stink removed. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you can have nothing to do with me. You can try and try and try to please God. You can try to serve. You can try to do this. You can try to earn your way to heaven. He says, I can't have anything to do with you unless you allow me to be a savior and wash you clean. 
by what I've done on the cross. Only by the blood of Jesus can you enter into a perfect heaven in relationship with the stink removed. And Jesus is demonstrating this in advance and he's going to do it for us and while we're reflecting on it. But there's more to it. We've got to get from being taught to caught. In Matthew 23, 11, this is exactly point number one, the greatest among you will be your servant. Point number two, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who exalt themselves will be hum- humbled. In Matthew 23, 12, that's exactly the point that Jesus taught for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Here's a quote for you, and I want you to consider it first in terms of words. Just to get a hold of it, would you read this out loud with me? Just to get a hold of this, ready? Serving is not what I do, a servant is who I am. Serving isn't just about actions, it's about attitudes. It's not that I sign up and serve, oh, yay, I did it, I did it, I serve like Jesus. No, We become a servant like Jesus when we're washed clean. We become followers. We think differently. Our whole attitude's differently. We drop down to do the lowest thing, not because, well, don't do this. Okay, wash feet. All right. I did it. It's so great. And in this picture, great. I was washing feet right here. Just, I served. Looks pretty ridiculous. Am I serving? No, I'm self-serving. If it's promoting me because I did something, it's like, oh, that's got an attitude problem. Action-wise, I did it. But I'm doing it for all the wrong reasons. Jesus didn't do it for himself, for his glory. Point number three. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. So let's put this together in the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 23 again. Here we read. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I want you to see this visually. I want you to see it visually the way we put it together in a logo. This is our logo. No, it's not a stealth bomber. This is our logo. I know you see a stealth bomber. What I want you to see is something different than that. Yes, it's an arrow. It's an arrow pointing upward. And the apostles got it. Matthew got it. John got it. Uh, Peter got it. Paul got it. And I want to show you that, yes, it's an arrow pointed upward, but there's a delay here. Let me get this going. Do you see, in a moment, there's steps going down. Jesus came from glory, and he disrobed his glory and took a step down into this earth. He stepped further down and became a baby. He stepped further down and became a servant of all. He stepped further down into the shame of the cross, naked, hung in our place, to the point of crucifixion. He's buried then in the burial, and Paul writes about this in Philippians 2. Jot it down just in case you want to look it up. It's great. Where he says at the beginning, you need to have the attitude of Christ. Remember we talked about attitude? You need to have the attitude of Christ, 
who, and then he describes this, who existed as God, the very being of God, but did not consider that something to grasp after. Instead, he let it go, disrobed, and became man. Then he becomes a servant. Then he becomes a servant to the point of death. Then he's buried and he's resurrected. And what God does then is he takes the steps of humility that is the nth degree of humility because it's the most humble anybody has ever done. He exalts that person to the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And above heaven, on heaven, on the earth, beneath the earth, every being goes, you are God. He's exalted to that place. So our logo is encapsulating the whole thing. Jesus says, this is what I've done for you. Now I'm asking you to follow me and do what I do. Peter caught it also. Peter says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Oh, I want to follow Jesus. Did you just read it? Jesus suffered to the point of death. We should follow in his steps. I don't want to do that. Jesus is saying, well, you want to follow me, right? Deny yourself. Disrobe your glory. Humble yourself. Watch what God wants you to do. Serve there. Because as you descend the path of humility, God is in charge of exalting. Not because you're earning. God, Jesus already earned it for you. Because he did everything for you, you love him that much. It's all a thank you for the joy set before you. Peter got it, finally. He was crucified like Jesus was crucified. But he didn't think he was honorable enough to be crucified like Jesus. So he said, uh, crucify me upside down. That's legend. I mean, it's history, I believe, but it's not in the Bible. It's an amazing piece of history. He says, I want to follow in his steps, but I'm not worthy to follow in his steps. Crucify me upside down. In Romans 5.8, Paul writes this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us because, oh, you're good, and you're good, and you're good. Oh, I want to call you because you're really good. I'm going to die for you. You're that good. No, he says, you stink, you stink, you stink, and you need to be washed, and so I'm giving myself up for you to take your stink away. We always look at the cross like, oh, I'm so wonderful. He loves me that much. Yes, but you stink. He loves you about like a baby that stinks and you change the baby's diaper you love that much. But you gotta have the stink removed if you want intimacy with holy. Paul says, that's what Jesus did while we were still sinners. So what does that mean for us in terms of serving? Here's a way of saying the same thing in a short one line. We stunk when Jesus served us. So we serve us others when they stink. We serve others when they don't deserve it. We serve others when they're ungrateful. We serve others when they don't even care. We serve others because we love what Jesus did for us because we were there too once. This is what it means to love like Jesus. John 13, 15, Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
It's not enough to say, oh yeah, we should serve. I'm going to serve. No. We should serve to the attitudinal place where there's nothing so low that I'm too above it. For the honor of Jesus, I will do this thing. So, on the screen, I have a long set of questions and quick, snappy answers. I'm going to ask the questions. Will you help me by just saying the answer loudly? Like, shout it out. Do you want to change your marriage? Do you want to change your friendships? Do you want to make, do you want more meaning in life? Do you want to make a difference in the world? Do you want to honor Jesus? Those are the ones that aren't saying thank you. Those are the ones that stink. Those are the ones that don't care if you serve or not care. Those are the ones that don't make a difference in our community. Those are the ones that, they're marginalized. They're the people that we don't see make a difference. Jesus is saying, when you make a difference for those kind of people, and there's nothing in it for you, you've done it for me. Because that's what I did for you. Serve others. Here's the prayer I'd like us to conclude with. I want to read it for you first, and then we'll let you have a chance to pray it out loud. My dear Lord Jesus, as the Father loved you, you loved us. It was because of love that you left glory behind to enter our world of darkness and sin to serve and rescue us. And yet you experienced the full measure of your Father's love and joy while you loved and served. I want to love like you. I receive your love and your joy that I may love and serve others as you have loved and served me. I recognize that even after we pray this prayer, we're going to experience a gap. I don't think that gap will ever completely go away where we're able to serve as purely and as selflessly as Jesus. But he, in his life, fills our life and begins to cause that gap to get smaller and smaller where we want to serve more and more. And we actually find pleasure in serving Jesus, who loved us that way through actually loving people the way he loved you and me. If that's where you'd like to go, it's a challenging prayer. I encourage you to pray it. Pray it with faith. Pray it knowing that God is going to help you as you determine to serve and love like Jesus. Before I have you pray that prayer, I want to read a story about stink. It's an old one. While serving with Operation Mobilization in India in 1967, tuberculosis forced me into a sanatorium, sanitarium for several months. I did not yet speak the language, but I tried to give Christian literature written in their language to the patients, doctors, nurses. Everyone politely refused. I sensed many weren't happy about a rich American. To them, all Americans are rich. Being in a free government-run sanatorium, <laughs> they didn't know. I was just as broke as they were. The first few nights, I woke up around 2 a.m. coughing. One morning during my coughing spell, I noticed one of the older and sicker patients across the aisle trying to get out of bed. He would sit up on the edge of the bed and try to stand, but in weakness would fall back into bed. I didn't understand what he was trying to do. He finally fell back into bed exhausted. I heard him crying softly. 
The next morning I realized what the man had been trying to do, he had been trying to get up and walk to the bathroom. The stench in our ward was awful. Other patients yelled insults at the man. Angry nurses moved him roughly from side to side as they cleaned up the mess. One nurse even slapped him. The old man curled into a ball and wept. The next night I again woke up coughing. I noticed the man across the aisle sit up and again try to stand. Like the night before, he fell back whimpering. I don't like bad smells. I I didn't want to become involved, but I got out of bed and went over to him. When I touched his shoulder, his eyes opened wide with fear. I smiled, put my arms under him and picked him up. He was very light due to old age and advanced tuberculosis. I carried him to the bathroom, which was just filthy, small room with a hole in the floor. I stood behind him with my arms under his armpits as he took care of himself. After he finished, I picked him up, carried him back to his bed. As I laid him down, he kissed me on the cheek, smiled and said something I couldn't understand. The next morning, another patient woke me and handed me a steaming cup of tea. He motioned with his hands. He wanted a tract. As the sun rose, other patients approached and indicated they also wanted the booklets. I had tried to distribute these before. Throughout the day, nurses, interns, and doctors asked for literature. Weeks later, a preacher who spoke the language visited me, and as he talked to others, he discovered that several had put their trust in Christ as Savior as a result of reading the literature. What did it take to reach these people with the gospel? It wasn't health. It wasn't the ability to speak their language. It wasn't even oratory, preaching. I helped someone go to the bathroom. Serving shifts people. When there's nothing in it for you, and you love and serve, things change. Would you stand and read this prayer if you'd like? Ready? My dear Lord Jesus, as the Father loved you, you loved us. It was because of love that you left glory behind to enter our world of darkness and sin to serve and rescue us. And yet you experienced the full measure of your Father's love and joy while you loved and served. I want to love like you. I receive your love and your joy, that I may love and serve others as you have loved and served me. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. This goes without saying, so I'm going to say it. Uh, Verde service Saturday. And I had no idea that when I planned this, it was going to coincide this week for that. But that's one opportunity. If you're not sure, how can I serve? I would like to serve. That was a message. I'm motivated. I want to serve. Here's an opportunity. That would give you a start, and then just look for ways to serve and love in Jesus' name. That's one way. If you came today and you're struggling with anything, we've got a prayer team to the right that'd love to pray for you. If you don't know even what I'm talking about, what does it mean to ask Jesus to be my Savior? Go over and say, I would like Jesus to be my Savior. I've never, I don't even know what to pray or what to ask. They'll be happy to pray with you and walk you through just that request. You prayed it. Just kind of answer questions. Get you going. God bless you. We got part three. If you're brand new, walk across the hallway. Let them know you're brand new. They'll give you a gift. Thank you for being here. See you next week.